Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter, and you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox at Nighthawk seven seven three four on Twitter. We are just one of a bunch of great podcasts that are a part of this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, all again on this network on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. Check it out. It is well worth it. For today's episode, Matt will be joining me here in about 30 seconds, and we will be going over a bunch of the games from the Sunday slate uh, to kind of give you guys everything that happened, what we thought, the, the usual. We're going over those games, obviously. And, uh, well, we're going to do a couple extra games today as me and Matt both have some stuff going on Tuesday, so Tuesday's episode will be a little bit shorter than usual. So with all that being said, let's hop Matt in here so we can talk about the games and the performances from yesterday. Hello! What's going on, Matt? Thank you so much for joining me today. How uh, I know how your NFL Sunday worked out. How, how did your fantasy Sunday work out so far? <laughs> Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, not as good as last week, uh, but uh, it wasn't terrible. Um, obviously, anytime Dallas struggles like they did last week, it's going to take an impact on a couple of my uh, teams that are pretty high up there in terms of record. So having Amari Cooper grab one pass for three yards and Juju Smith-Schuster catch one for seven was uh, not great for me. Yeah, no, I've got the I've got the same juju problem as you do. I don't uh, I don't know what. There's really nothing we can do. Hopes that maybe Mason Rudolph here will uh will will be back next week and and possibly be better for him. Yeah, I mean he hasn't been great for him so far, so kind of hard to tell. 
Yeah, that, that's true on Rudolph. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm hoping against hope here. We obviously know we're not getting big. We're not we're not getting Big Ben back this year, so I've just got to hope that uh that Mason Rudolph is going to do something for Juju because as uh, as I'm sure you did, I drafted him very early in a couple of my leagues, and and he is it's been rough. It's been rough this year. But let's uh let's jump in and talk about um eight of the games from yesterday. First and ten at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's in the 15, he's in the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb will love a home! 92 yards! Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep throb, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Off by Dick. Stay on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're going to start with the London game between the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it was actually a fairly decent game for the most part, despite all of the turnovers. Six in six in all for Jameis Winston. Panthers winning this one 37-26. Kyle Allen continues to prove that he might be the real deal here. 20-32, 227 yards and two touchdowns to come in at QB 12 with 26.38 points. CMC continues to ball out RB7 on the week with 21.7 points, but did not actually have a good day. They did a really good job of, of holding him in check in both the receiving and the rushing game. 22 rushes for 31 yards and a touchdown, and then does get 26 yards on four catches and a touchdown. So all in all, has a great day for fantasy, but the Bucks actually did a pretty good job of keeping him in check NFL-wise. Curtis Samuel has a big day, though. Wide receiver 5, 23.8 points. Eight-yard touchdown run and then add 70 yards and a touchdown on four catches. So if you listened to Dennis on Friday and started him, good for you because I was not up for starting him. He definitely came through if you took the chance on him. DJ Moore, wide receiver, 18 on the week, 15.6 points, 73 yards on seven catches. And Greg Olson pops back up in this one, tight end 14 with 9.2 points, 52 yards on four catches I mean Kyle Allen has been balling out and while I think it's very slim what are your chance or what are your thoughts that he might end up Wally pipping Cam Newton here with how well he has been playing zero chance I mean there's a chance that they just don't rush Cam Newton back which is right. what they've apparently been doing but I think zero chance 
All right, well, let me ask you something else on that because I know you uh, you were not as high on the Panthers as I was. Kyle Allen is making me look somewhat good in the fact that they have now bounced back in one four straight. There is a realistic possibility that they can get away from Cam Newton after this season. I know it's still a long way to go. We're, we're only six weeks in, so I don't want anybody to freak out here. But what do you think if Kyle Allen continues to play play like this? Say Cam doesn't come back this year. Say Kyle Allen rides it, and they ride Kyle Allen, and he somehow makes it into the playoffs. Either they win this division, because it does look very winnable, although it does look like Drew Brees will hopefully be back sooner rather than later. Division looks winnable, possibly even a wild card spot for this team. Say they make the playoffs behind Kyle Allen. What are your thoughts that they may stick with him instead of bringing back Cam Newton? I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away. What Kyle Allen has done has been good uh and has been fine but there's been nothing special uh about his performances and stuff his uh greatest asset to them is he's not throwing the ball away uh because this is this four game winning streak has been more about the resurgence of their defense and the incredible talent of christian mccaffrey than anything else uh so to me you know if they move on from cam newton that's a financial decision i don't think it's because they've seen kyle allen and thought we can't we can't live without him on the field. Fair enough. All right. I did the. I did like what I saw out of Moore and Samuel. Obviously, Samuel had the better day here. Um, just with their, their performances, how I would say Moore's probably in your flex spot, anyways, depending on where you drafted him. Uh, with the with this performance right here, he's had two good performances now with Kyle Allen. Is has Samuel moved up your board and trust anymore, or you think it was just a just a luck of the draw? I guess in this one against the Buccaneers. Well, Tampa Bay has a hideous pass defense. Um, they have all season long, so I'm not reading too much into this. I mean, he he had six targets. He caught four for 70 in a touchdown. He got one carry and managed to turn it into a touchdown. Not to take anything away, it was a great performance, but touchdowns are a little fluky. So, yeah. you know, if he doesn't have those touchdowns, we're talking about a 470 performance. Are you against arguably one of the worst one of the top five worst pass defenses in football if you're looking at that are you thinking oh man we've got to throw him in there all the time i don't know and kyle allen's been fine but he hasn't exactly lit the world on fire anything with his passing yesterday was more about the fact that the buccaneers made a concerted effort to stop mccaffrey from running and he only had 31 yards on 22 carries they had to throw Tampa Bay is not very good against the pass. I think that's kind of what you saw game flow. Uh, the touchdowns are a little too fluky for me to say solid gold, but I think in a deep league, you're probably starting both more and Samuel as flexes. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping some people really buy into it. I'm actually trying to trade low on Barkley in a redraft league, and I'm using Samuel as one of the pieces to hopefully entice them. Uh, to give me Barkley. On the Buck side here, Jameis Winston, despite all of the turnovers in this one, actually still has a decent day for fantasy due to the fact that he threw the ball 54 times. 30 for 54, 400 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions, QB 17 with 21.6 points. Uh, Dare Ogun Ball, I have, I'm horrible with his name. We're just going to say Dare, the guy who catches the ball very well out of the backfield for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Three-yard run for a touchdown and then added 22 yards on three receptions to finish as the best running back for them. RB 26 with 11.5 points. And then Ronald Jones really is only here because he scored a touchdown. RB 33 with seven points in this one. Just four, I'm sorry, just 10 yards on four carries. 
with one touchdown. Both wide receivers, though, come through for you in this one. Chris Godwin, again, finishing as a top-five wide receiver, which is ridiculous, the run he has been on. 151 yards on 10 catches. Wide receiver, 3 on the week with 25.1 points. Mike Evans, wide receiver, 9 with 22.1 points. Would have been higher had he not dropped a long touchdown pass, hit him in the hands, uh, juggled it, and then could not bring it in. 96 yards on 9 catches. And then we had an O.J. Howard siding. He actually popped up in this one. Two catches on four targets for 35 yards to come in as tight end 19 with 7 points. As I mentioned, the Bucks really just kind of lost this one due to Winston. I mean, he really threw this game away as in going, throwing it to the other team, a fumble uh, for a touch. Uh, I can't remember if there was a touchdown on the fumble or the, the pick six, whichever. He just, he was bad. Evans and Godwin, I think, uh, it should, for me, Evans has shown that he's pretty much back, regardless with the draft capital you've uh, you've put into him. He's got to be in your wide receiver one or two spot, regardless. He's He's on your team every single week. But what about O.J. Howard? They said they were going to get him more involved, and I don't really know that he got more involved, but he at least looked alive out there. He wasn't just, you know, sitting on the bench and getting you nothing for fantasy. What are your hopes or what are your thoughts on O.J. Howard? Well, a couple of things. Um, I would note if you played in a more standard league where turnovers counted against you, Jameis Winston wasn't anywhere close to – uh, the kind of scoring or performance you're talking about in most of the leagues I play where you get negative two for turnovers. Um, he was barely double digits uh, with the yardage because he had six turnovers, which was negative 12 points. I play in a couple where you get points off for sacks as well. He took seven of those. So um, I think, you know, unless you're playing in a scoring system that discounts turnovers which is kind of the one that we gave the score for Jameis Winston murdered you yesterday uh, in what should have been a pretty you thought might be a pretty good matchup the first time these two teams played in Carolina yeah uh, Winston did really well I mean that was a bounce back after a horrid week one where we were like well is Winston you know never gonna pick up and you saw him play against Carolina and thought up oh, you know they're not a bad defense and he looked really good Yesterday, just the complete opposite. And I wonder some of it, I know you guys talked on Friday about whether he was going to try to force the ball to Mike Evans. We saw Evans get 17 targets. Um, you know, it's fair to wonder if some of the interceptions and some of the stuff for that was because he was really trying to get um, Evans going. Nine for 96, uh, pretty good if you're, if you own Evans, you're feeling better. 10 for 151 for Godwin on 12 targets. He had just another solid day. Tight end. Howard, you get excited because he, he caught a 30-yard screen pass early in the game, but then Cameron Braid also targeted four times, catches two for 47 and a touchdown, is the better tight end. So, I, you know, not only is Howard not getting consistent looks, he's still in that tight end hell where he's splitting time with Braid. And even with Winston, a lot of people thought when Winston was permanently the quarterback and they weren't going back and forth like they were with Fitzpatrick, that Howard would be the one he favored. So far, that hasn't really borne out either. Brait's the one that seems to more frequently get to the end zone. So if you have O.J. Howard, I don't even know what to say right now. If you're in Dynasty, you don't want to drop him because of his talent level. You probably can't trade him because you'll never get any return on value, and you can't play him. Yeah. I, I think it's the worst possible situation. Yeah, I was trying to find this stat that you were mentioning there with uh, with Mike Evans and how much he was targeting him, and I can't find it now. Uh, someone had released a stat 
uh, showing his uh, his completion percentage when targeting Evans compared to when he was targeting Chris Godwin, and it's like I can't. It was like ninety something percent when he targets Chris Godwin, but then like seventy yeah. something when he targets Mike Evans. Like it's ridiculous for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's Mike Evans or just bad throws. I don't. I'm sure it's a mixture of both, but it's insane to think that he's just. And and it was and he went back and showed like years worth too. It wasn't just this season. He went back and showed like years worth of him targeting Mike Evans. It's always been in the seventies, which might also go to the fact that I've said before, Mike Evans just he does struggle with drops. He does. He's not yeah. that great of a wide receiver. It's because he's so big. And I always equate to the the Melvin Gordon thing. The volume that he has gotten in the past because he's never had somebody else is what made him a fantasy stud. But all in all, I didn't think he was an elite wide receiver when it came to that stuff. So. Godwin, I mean, he's we've we've said it before multiple times. We'll keep we'll keep saying it. He he's the number one there, and he's going to be the stud. You know, you hope that Mike Evans continues to get targeted the way that he did in this as game you were just talking about with seventeen targets because he's going to produce for you that way. But outside of that, I think the guy you're looking for uh, to be the number one here is going to be Godwin. What are your thoughts on Jameis Winston though? Because Bruce Arians came out earlier today with a comment saying that he doesn't think uh, or that this game doesn't affect what he sees as Jameis Winston being a franchise quarterback. But if he has a couple more games like that, it will. I just don't see any way he can come back and be the franchise quarterback here because this is exactly what Jameis has been the entire time he's been in the NFL. You know, we'll get to his draft mate and and their game. I think actually tomorrow. It's not on. It's not on our list today. So we'll we'll definitely talk about him as well tomorrow. Because uh, they went up against your Broncos. What, what are your thoughts on James? Any chance that he comes back and is the Buccaneers quarterback next year? Well, I mean, I guess part of it's going to depend on, you know, what kind of a salary he thinks he's going to command. Because now he's had five years in Tampa Bay. He's shown flashes at times. He's shown flashes at times this season. But he's played six games. Two of them have decidedly gone this way and really cost them a game. I didn't think he was super great in New Orleans either. I wouldn't put it on the level of this week or week one against San Francisco. And obviously, San Francisco, a pretty talented team, pretty good defense. We've seen what they've done to some other teams. So maybe you give, cut him a little bit of a break on that. But this is a division game, a team he's already played this season. Uh, and they just, you know, they were completely able to take him out of it. But again, at the same time, you know, is it fair? Are, are we judging him more harshly because of some of the expectations? Because if you had another quarterback that was sacked seven times that didn't seem to have the protection he has, that has no running game and has never had a running game yeah. in their entire run there, you'd be apt to give them more of a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. He threw it 54 times. My problem with what Winston did yesterday is he was bad from the jump before any of those things had a chance to establish themselves. His first play from scrimmage was an interception. He put his team behind from the jump. And I think, you know, it seems like mentally, once a game starts badly for him, he's more apt to just not be able to recover. Uh, And those are all questions, Um, you know, this is going to be a make or a break season. And right now I would say it's about 50, 50 on the good and the bad. At times he's looked better than we thought he was going to be. I mean, going in and beating the Rams in LA, he looked pretty incredible. Uh, he's got some weapons around him. He's probably still growing into this system, but I don't know if I had to make a decision today, 
you know, the question to me, you know, are you looking for that big time franchise quarterback money? Because if you are, you can look somewhere else. Yeah. But Tampa Bay is also not bad enough to be like a top five pick right now. So I think that's going to have an impact as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, as someone who watches a lot of college football, there's a, there's a couple guys that are popping up here that not a lot of people expected coming into this year. Uh, so not being a top five pick might not be a big deal for them. They might be able to snag a wide receiver later. But, yeah, I don't uh, – man, it's – obviously, we still have a lot of time to go. If he ends up having a bunch of really good games like we've seen him have so far this year uh, – it would almost be a cheaper option for them to possibly franchise tag him, especially with as much as quarterbacks are getting paid now. Maybe they franchise tag him one more year and see see how that works out for him if he if he plays any better. Because we also do have to take into effect if we're you know being honest and fair to him, this is his first year in this Bruce Arians and, and Byron left with which offense as well. So maybe we give him one more year to see what happens. I, I don't. I'm I'm worried that he's probably he there's a realistic shot he's not going to be a starting quarterback anymore with with just what we've seen that so far this year. Oh man! Well, and I think the the franchise tag feels to me like the least likely of all options because usually you take an average of the top five highest salaries. I think that's the area Tampa Bay, even if they're going to commit to Jameis Winston, doesn't want to be in paying him thirty five million dollars for what they're getting right now. Right. Well, yeah, but I, I just would imagine it's going to be cheaper than – I don't think they could get him any cheaper than that. So then it, it would be you On either... a per-year basis, I, I, I think he would have a hard time with his market getting up that high on a per-year basis. Yeah, but well, just before we move on from that, though, if you if you – if you go to sign him, though, even if you, you might not be getting $35 million per year, but you're likely going to have to sign him to more than a one-year contract. He, he's going to do two, three, or year, two, three, I mean, th- what, what would you say, two to four years, I guess, would probably be the lowest amount. So if he ends up not working out for you, you've got him signed for those many years. I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on how you structure the back end of that contract. will depend on the dead cap that you're going to take uh, if you end up cutting him or letting him go. Uh, I mean, I, I could be wrong on that. I just think that possibly uh, franchise tagging him would, would not be a horrible option for them if they don't want to spend uh, the money on him and commit to him as their future quarterback. All right, the next game we've got here is one uh, I really don't want to talk about, but we have to. The Seattle Seahawks come into Cleveland and beat them 32-28. So obviously the game started off really good between the Browns and the Seahawks. They got up to like a 20-6, had a chance to salt it away. They didn't, and I mean my my mode and composure just went down from there. Went from being really happy to, to me yelling at the TV. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've come too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to keep our composure. Which, of course, they didn't keep their composure, which then eventually led to them losing the game and, and had me sounding like this. Fuck it. Fuck me in a fucking ass. Fuck you, you fucking stupid cunt. Monkey fucking Fuck that. Anyways, that was live audio from my living room this uh, past Sunday. Let's let's get back to our regular scheduled programming and finish talking about this game. For the Seahawks side here, Russell Wilson, 
23 of 33, 295 yards, two touchdowns, adds 31 yards, and a touchdown on nine carries to come in at QB5 on the week with 38.65 points. Chris Carson runs wild all over the Browns, RB6 on the week, 25.9 points, 124 yards on 24 carries, and a touchdown. Jerron Brown is the best wide receiver fantasy-wise here, uh, but doesn't really do much outside the two touchdowns, just three catches, 29 yards. Coming in at wide receiver 12 with 17.9 points. Tyler Lockett found the end zone. Wide receiver 22 with 12.8 points. I'm sorry, he did not find the end zone. 75 yards on five catches. And then DK Metcalf also had a fairly decent day here. 69 yards on four catches to come in as wide receiver 27, 11.3 points. Seahawks get a win um, in in really tough fashion as well. I mean, this really was a good game up until the end. Baker, a couple turnovers, does get hurt a little bit in this one. Russell Wilson, though, continues to amaze, has yet to throw an interception on the season. I think he's right there with Deshaun Watson as the MVP in the NFL. The biggest news coming out of this game, though, is Will Disley. He got injured. We were not sure what it was. Looks like it is an Achilles injury. How big is this for the tight end position? Uh, personally, I'm crying, <laughs> crying because <laughs> Disley was such a fine, um, they like Luke Wilson. Uh, so, uh, I'm sure he'll step into play. I think what you saw yesterday is probably a good indication of how the Seahawks are going to respond and that you saw Jaron Brown, David Moore, Chris Carson kind of all tick up on their, uh, targets, um, especially around the goal line he was looking for. Someone and yesterday it happened to be Jaron Brown. I feel like every year uh, lately I come in kind of thinking, looking at the Seahawks roster, thinking, well, they're fine, but they're you know they're not going to be that good. And here they are, five and one, better than the Rams, better than a lot of these teams. All they do is keep winning. Russell Wilson continues to show year in and year out that he's worth every cent. You know, a lot of people made comments about that big contract he got and, and that he couldn't carry this team. And yet it seems like he finds a way. Uh, and then from a personal note, that one inch that separated Tyler Lockett from the touchdown that you wanted to give him uh, was brutal for me. <laughs> it was a touchdown. I, I thought, saw it I thought he was, I thought, I thought it was a touchdown too. I went away. I was at lunch watching it. I'm like, Oh, I scored a touchdown. It's great. Come back and look at my score later when we get home. And I'm like, hmm, great. Yeah, I mean, I, that'll lead right into the Brown side of things because the officiating was god-awful in that game, and they took away a touchdown from Tyler Lockett. It was a touchdown. His knee was not down before it crossed the goal line. All it has to do is uh-huh. cut. The tip has to get across the goal line, and it definitely did, yeah. but that part of it is what it is. I mean, obviously, we know Baker came out and complained about the referees. Regardless, the Browns just did not – Fantasy-wise, a bunch of these guys came through for you. NFL-wise, it was not a good game. So Baker, 22-37, 249 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Uh, again, I do, when I look at these, don't uh, these point systems don't have uh, penalizing for turnovers. So obviously, if you got penalized for turnovers, this, this score is not as good for Baker, but he comes in at QB 11 with 26.96 points. Also did get a rushing touchdown uh, and 35 yards. Nick Chubb continues to be the best player on the Browns offense. RB2 on the week with 28.9 points. 122 yards, two touchdowns on 20 carries. 
uh, did add 17 yards in the receiving game. OBJ finally has a good game here. Wide receiver 14 with 17.6 points, 101 yards on six catches. Jarvis Landry, um, I think, kind of falls down a little bit due to OBJ and Ricky Seals-Jones. Landry, wide receiver, 50 with 6.6 points, 36 yards on three catches. Uh, And then Ricky Seals-Jones, another touchdown, 47 yards on three catches. I mean, this is a big loss for the Browns here. They were up early, 20-6, to and just could not put this game away. Bad coaching decisions, bad, bad coaching play calls, all in all. Baker turnovers, he did get hit on the hip. Should be fine moving forward. Took a helmet to the hip. Actually looked kind of bad at the time. Came back out. Gutted it out. Uh, they do go into a bye this week, so I wouldn't be worried about Baker if, if you're using him. Although, I would imagine chances are slim you're starting him every single week. Um, I, I thought it was a good sign to see OBJ as involved as he was again going into the bye week. Hopefully they get some stuff figured out, though they do have a tough game <laughs> in two weeks against the Patriots. Uh, but Ricky Seals-Jones, if he's still available... Especially with the injury to Will Disley, as we were just talking about. Is, is he uh, a viable pickup for you? A guy that probably not a lot of people are going to go grab in their redraft leagues because the Browns are going into a bye. So maybe a sneaky grab uh, this week and, and to be the guy moving forward because we don't know for sure when Njoku will be back. Yeah, I think that's you touched on the real question is uh, David Njoku because uh, I definitely feel like he's going to get his job back when he comes back. Um, but obviously a few more weeks of this, the other, the other thing to consider, they, it's hard, it's going to be hard to rely on him too much the next couple of weeks. Cause they have a bye week and they still have three tough games. Yeah. Uh, Patriots, Broncos, uh, bills. Uh, those are three, uh, defenses that have really come alive this season, especially of late, um, that have some pretty good secondaries. So, um, you know, hopefully the Browns can get some things figured out during the break. I still think that they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. But uh, one of the things that we've seen in these first six weeks is you'd have trouble putting a finger on something that they do really well. Um, they don't do anything and well. really, really consistently. I, I know it's hard for you because they're your team. I think at times they've done some things well, but, uh, you know, part of it's probably young team, young coach, you know, with all the young players and big personalities, they may have benefited from having a more uh, veteran coach. Yeah. Um, so I think it's been some growing pains for Freddie, but you know, they have a week off to kind of think uh, about it and, and try to go forward. The other concern, I don't know if you've had this concern. I was glad o- OBJ got more involved yesterday he's somebody we've seen in the past when he's on a team where things aren't going the way he thinks they should and he has a few games where he doesn't get the ball as much as he thinks he should um that can be a problem in and of itself and i think that's we're we're getting to be that that territory where the the shine's kind of coming off the apple a little bit probably for him yeah i mean i'll uh... For all the things, all the bad things I say about the Browns, I do think they run the ball very well behind an offensive line that doesn't get a lot of credit. Uh, I'd always complain that my biggest thing, and I know you know because you're here with me every Monday, my biggest thing is they just don't run the ball enough. I mean, it looks like they do when you look at the box score, but a lot of that came in the first half when they were up 20-6. to six. It just seems like 
Whenever they start to get behind, they go way too pass happy, and they were never out of this game. Even leading up until the last drive before Baker threw the interception, there was still, I think, three minutes left on the clock. Like, you could still drive down the field, score. They had all of their timeouts. Use your timeouts and then try and do something there, but they just tried too much. They get too pass happy was my complaints about the— The San Francisco game last Monday night, they came out, they ran the ball once, and then they went pass happy to three and out, then came out again, and then two, and then he threw an interception. So maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. The the one thing, well, I'll say on on OBJ, because I do think, I think part of it, and maybe I'm openly, I openly admit I love Odell. I think he is a phenomenal football player. I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. I know he gets a lot of, uh, Stuff put on him for being dramatic and all the stuff we've seen with the Giants. From everything I've seen, again, I don't. I'm not in the Browns locker room. I don't live in Cleveland. I don't know Odell personally. I don't know anybody on the Browns personally. So I, I, I may com- be completely wrong on this. But everything I've seen in videos of him talking and what I've seen from him on the sidelines when I'm watching the games, I think he is one of the leaders of this team. I have yet to see him do anything that is not teammate worthy. So I personally don't think that's going to happen i just think for whatever reason with everything that was going on in new york it was more toxic uh, i don't think that's going to happen here and i could be wrong maybe we'll see it through the bye week he comes out and says like i need to get the ball more but even leading up until this game well i think it was the the ravens game where he only got like three targets and two catches and maybe that was some of it because marlon humphreys really did shut him down he still didn't come out and complain the entire time he's like look i just want to win it's like, I don't care if I don't get the ball. That just means other people get to go off because they're they're double covering me. So I don't think that's going to be an issue with Odell, and I truly hope it won't. Only time will tell, but I think that we're good for that, at least right now this year. Now, maybe if they have a bad year and we go into next year and things still stay this way, it changes. But I think for at least this season and right now, we're going to be good with Odell. What, what, what were you trying to say? Well, I was going to say to your running point, uh, you know, one of their issues have been red zone turnovers, especially uh, yeah. the killer interceptions from Mayfield. And one of the ways you can avoid that is to commit to pounding the ball in. So um, that would be a good, good place for them oh, to yeah. try to put into practice some of what you're talking about. I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, uh, as you were just talking about rookie head coach, I mean, they had a uh, – I don't know if you watched any of this game, but they had a uh, they had scored a touchdown, and they ended up having to call it back because Freddie Kitchens decided to challenge a play that Jarvis Landry clearly yeah. did not score on, and you could tell it just by watching mm-hmm. the replays. And they ended up challenging it anyways, and then they tried to come out and then run the exact same play, and Nick Chubb got stuffed at the line, uh, and it was like they turned yeah, over think- on downs on the, and right on the goal line. Yeah, I actually I uh, saw a lot of this game. This was uh, the game that was playing at Red Robin at lunch. Gotcha. So, okay. Uh, I, and plus, I was thinking of you. Well, I appreciate that. I was, you know what? I was thinking of you too when the Broncos were winning. I was like, well, hey, at least one of us is going to have a good Monday podcast because I sure as shit am not. <laughs> All right, let's let's just move on here. We'll we'll save my Browns bitching for the Wednesday podcast where no one listens to it anyway, so I can just go on a, like a thirty minute rant about how. Upset I am with Brown. The good news is next Monday I don't have to be upset about anything because the Browns the Browns are going to win this week. I know that for a fact, so we're good to go there. <laughs> next up, we had uh, probably the best uh, early morning, uh, early morning, early afternoon game: the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Houston going into Kansas City and pulling off the upset, thirty-one to twenty-four. 
Deshaun Watson, as I mentioned with Russell Wilson, I think it has to be between him and Russell Wilson for the MVP of the league right now. I know a lot of people want to give it to Patrick Mahomes after what he did the first couple weeks, but I think Watson and Wilson have been a ton better since the first game of the season. Watson's had like one bad game. Watson finishes his QB4 on the week with 38.9 points, 30 of 42, 280 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, uh, does get 42 yards on the ground, and two rushing touchdowns. Carlos Hyde has a big game here, RB8 with 19.5 points, 116 yards on 26 carries and a touchdown, uh, does add 14 yards on one catch. Duke Johnson also shows up on this one, or in this one, RB21 with 13.4 points, 34 yards on five carries, adds 20 yards on two catches and a touchdown. We finally see a good game out of DeAndre Hopkins since week one has kind of been uh, struggling. I mean, did have a couple of drops in this one too, which was crazy. Did not have a single drop last season. 55 yards on nine catches to come in at our, I'm sorry, wide receiver 16 with 16.5 points. And then Will Fuller, wide receiver 33, 9.4 points in this one, 44 yards on five catches. Both him and Hopkins dropped touchdowns in this one as well. Uh, so we might not have seen uh, Watson run for a couple of the touchdowns had they caught those. But I thought overall, really good game for them. It was good to see Hopkins yeah. kind of back in the fold, uh, back kind of as that, that wide receiver. It finishes as a wide receiver too, but still a lot better than what we've seen out of him up until this week. Uh, do you think he he's finally back? Is he here to stay? Are we good uh, to not necessarily worry so much about Hopkins moving forward? Uh, I don't know. 55 yards on nine. I mean, the nine receptions is nice. They were slinging the ball to him a lot, but – uh, yardage, not that great. One of, at least one of Watson's interceptions I saw over the top was them trying to put the ball to Hopkins in the yeah. end zone, uh, in double coverage. So, you know, I think it might be a case of coverage. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was a fine performance and this is nothing against him. We, I just, we have not seen him aside from week one, be able to really take the top off of a defense or get in. Uh, and seeing what we've seen of the Saints since that, since week one, I wonder if he could even do it to them uh, currently. Um, I think one of the other big takeaways for me from this game, both the running backs look good. Uh, I don't know if I 100% trust either of them going forward uh, to put up this kind of numbers, but Hyde does seem to consistently uh, be getting a lot of the carries. He's, he's probably the one I would lean toward being better play than Duke Johnson. Uh, and yeah. then we, we've talked about tight end being a rough position. Darren Fells, seven targets, catches six for 69. He had a, a kind of a decent game, would be worth watching. Jordan Aikens also three for 39 on three targets. It seems like they've moved toward using some of the tight ends. Um, you know, so could be a place where given the desperation we're about to feel with all these bye weeks and the injuries piling up might be an interesting place to look. Yeah, I know a lot of people were big on Aikens uh, due to that. Uh, if you were just looking box score-wise or fantasy points, I think it was two weeks ago, he had that really long run for a touchdown. I know I actually sold him in a couple leagues because people were looking for tight ends. Uh, yeah, definitely worth watching, especially if they're going to use them. That's kind of always been our big complaints about the Houston offense. They don't tend to use the tight end position that much. If they're actually going to start going to them, especially in an explosive offense that Houston can be, that would be a great call. And I'm with you on Hyde. I think we've talked about it now for the past couple of weeks. He just seems to be getting the rock. He's being given the ball and running it. And we've seen that for the most part, that can be a good thing. Lamar Miller, he was 
I would say very consistent but average. He was not somebody that was going to blow you away. Yet he always finished as an RB2 every single year just due to the volume that he would get and touchdowns because, again, Texas is good, a good offense. They tend to get down in the red zone a lot. Now, we did see Deshaun Watson obviously run two in in this one, uh, but Hyde got one as well. So I, I'm with you. Carlos Hyde is someone who could probably end up finishing as a middle-tier RB2 by the end of this season as long as he stays healthy. So if you were able to snag him really late in redrafts or off the waiver wire and a lot of people when they were doing their drafts was right around the time he got cut and he wasn't even part of a team anymore or got before he got traded uh so definitely someone who could end up panning out for you i would definitely trust him over johnson as well for the chiefs um another game where they struggled a little bit some of it i'm sure has to do with mahomes uh you know we saw him get his ankle hurt a couple weeks ago obviously it showed up a little bit in that indianapolis game same in this one he got rolled up on a little bit really seemed to bother him here in the second half had a really good first half uh didn't do much after that uh finishes those qb9 on the week with 29.5 points in this one Get you uh, 19-35, 273 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Damian Williams finishes as the best running back, RB31 with nine points, six yards on one carry, but adds 52 yards on one catch. So all of that really coming on just one play each to get you, again, nine points. Shady McCoy, RB35 with 6.4 points, 44 yards on eight carries. Uh, in this one does add um, actually zero yards in the receiving game. Uh, Tyree Kill, though, makes an appearance. He comes back, jumps in the starting lineup, gets you two touchdowns, finishes his wide receiver four on the week with 25 points, 80 yards, two touchdowns on five catches. Admittingly, the first touchdown, though, was extremely lucky, though he, the airtime and the uh, the the jump that he had there to outjump the Texan defender and get the touchdown was amazing in itself because Tyree Kill is not a tall man. Uh, and then Travis Kelsey tied on 13 in this one, 9.8 points, 58 yards on four catches. Are we worried, though, a little bit about this Chiefs offense? We know they can be explosive. We know they can score on any given play within one play. All it takes is, is Mahomes to throw the ball deep one time and they can score, especially with Tyree Kill back. But the past two weeks, we've seen Indianapolis and now Houston do a very good job of controlling the clock and keeping the ball away from them. Something that a lot of people would say was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. We could really say is anybody's weakness because if you don't have the ball and you're not scoring right off the bat and the other team is holding the ball in time of possession, it is going to get you out of rhythm a little bit and not allow you to be as explosive. Are we worried moving forward that Mahomes, I mean, most people drafted him as the QB1. Uh, he's still sitting there right now, but maybe not much longer. Are we worried uh, uh, the regression that we all talked about is going to be real with him, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey? I mean, I think they'll come off of some of where they were last year, but I think Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey are the only ones that I feel good playing going forward. Uh, Kansas City seems to have some regression going. Their line, they lost a few pieces uh, in the offseason. Doesn't look like they've replaced that. I think running back in, in its entirety is wholly unplayable right now. Um, one correction, Damian Williams caught 114 with a touchdown. He was the touchdown recipient. Darrell Williams caught one for 52. Ah, um, gotcha. They both played, so did McCoy. McCoy had the most carries on the ground, didn't do a ton with them, five or eight for 44. I, I just don't think you can play any of these running backs. They seem to all three be splitting um, 
In this, it's the same kind of with receivers too. Hill and Kelsey, I think you can bank on uh, targets kind of bear that out. The rest of it is really just spread around Hardman, Pringle, Anthony Thomas, Demarcus Robinson, Blake Bell. They all got targets yesterday. So did three of the running backs. Um, so from fantasy purposes, they're working a lot of people in there trying to make things happen. Uh, for real life purposes, it might help them for fantasy purposes. It's, it's not helping us at all. And, you know, I think they're going to play some tough defenses. They're not going to catch anyone by surprise, maybe the way they did a little bit earlier last season. Plus, they're, you know, they're playing that first place schedule, um, playing some tough matchups. So, I, you know, I always thought they were going to come back to earth a little bit. And I think we're seeing that uh, the entire AFC West has played out a little bit differently than most people thought. I mean, they haven't come as far back to earth as, as the Chargers. So. Um, you know, they're going through some stumbling blocks and we'll have to see where they're at. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I really think the only three you feel comfortable playing every week are going to be Mahomes, Hill, Hill, and Kelsey. I don't, I personally, this is one of the reasons why I avoided this backfield. I did like Damian Williams somewhat, but I was not all in on him like other people were. I thought he'd, he'd come back to earth a little bit and be more of like a middle or bottom tier RB2. I don't even know if he's going to be that until either, and I hate to put it this way, until one of them either suffers an injury or one of them just continues to play so well that Andy Reid throws them in and, and makes them the full-time starter. I don't know how you can trust playing any of these. Maybe as you, as we've talked about a couple times and you've mentioned the bye weeks and injuries we have coming up is going to to hurt people's rosters, especially when we've got the one with uh, six teams on a bye, which I think is in two weeks. Uh, you might have to throw these guys in in a flex spot and hope that they do something, but I would not feel comfortable playing anyone outside of those three for the Chiefs. Next up, we've got the uh, tank for Tua slash Herbert slash Burrow Bowl here, and I don't know... Um, the Redskins win but lose at the same time because they won the game, uh, 17 to 16 over the Dolphins. So now they're at least going to be pick three uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, Josh, oh my gosh, Josh Rosen doesn't play for the Redskins, but Case Keenum does. Case Keenum, 13 to 25, 166, and two touchdowns in this one to come in at QB 15 with 22.8 points. Adrian Peterson, they said they were going to run him, and did they ever? 23 yards, 118. 23 yards, my goodness. 23 carries for 118 yards. Does add 18 yards on two catches. But the player of the day, and the only player I trust to play in this Redskins offense, Terry McLaurin, the rookie, continues to ball out. Wide receiver two on the week, 26 points, four catches, 100 yards on two touchdowns he was just magnificent as I mentioned they win the game uh so I, I jokingly say that it was uh, they lose the game for the Tank Herbert uh, Burrow Bowl because I'd rather have them over Tua that's a very popular unpopular opinion uh but Terry McLaurin I, I just he's the only guy for me that I'm setting and forgetting in my lineup every week do you agree do you would, do you trust Adrian Peterson moving forward with Callahan saying they want to get him the ball more I mean for as old as he is no. and everything, he ste- he seems to still be getting getting the rock and doing something with it. No, I, I mean I don't trust him going forward. If they were playing anybody other than the Dolphins, twenty three carries wouldn't have meant anything for Adrian Peterson. I think the big takeaway out of this game is uh, I no longer even think Chris Thompson is worth playing. So Terry McLaren is it uh, for me? I mean Thompson. You know, you would hope, you know, his pass catching uh, might, 
bullied them a little bit, but he only had one more target than Peterson caught the same number of passes, 10 fewer yards. So it's not looking good. The receiver situation is still pretty grim. Uh, you know, considering what we've seen people do to this Dolphins team week in and week out, seeing what the Redskins did was not very impressive either. Yeah, the fact that they only were able to put up 17 points is uh, very concerning. On the Dolphins side yeah. here, <laughs> Josh Rosen was uh, named the starter until he wasn't. Uh, 15 and 25, 85 yards and two interceptions. To come in at QB 27 for 3.15 points, they end up putting Ryan Fitzmagic in, uh, does go 12 for 18, 132 yards, and a touchdown to come in at QB 20 for 14.78 points. Brian Flores did come out today and say that Josh Rosen is the guy moving forward. Again, I don't know. That kind of rings hollow for me because he also said the same thing last week, and they did pull him because they needed a quote-unquote spark. Uh, I would imagine if that happens again, he would not be afraid to do it again. So I don't trust either one of those guys moving forward. Kenyon Drake shows up a little bit in this one. RB 23, 40 yards on 10 carries, adds 30 yards on 6 catches to get you 13 points. Devontae Parker gets into the end zone, wide receiver 24, 11.8 points. Uh, just uh, three catches for 28 yards and a touchdown. Mike Gesicki, though, a guy that a lot of people were very high on last year, 51 yards and three catches to come in at tight end 15 with 8.1 points. And then Preston Williams, the, the rookie who I've been big on, as as Dennis, 31 yards on two catches uh, to come in at wide receiver 51, 6.6 points. I didn't uh, look at his fantasy stats, but a guy that I grabbed in a lot of leagues due to them talking him up, Mark Walton, running back out of Miami, was a phenomenal running back prospect, hurt his ankle, uh, ended up on Cincinnati, got cut from there due to some off-field uh, drinking and driving issues, if I remember correctly. Uh, ends up in Miami, 32 yards on six carries and adds 43 yards on five catches. He might be uh, someone to be a sneaky uh, waiver wire pickup at running back if he is still available. I think he's going to get worked more and more into the offense. But can you trust anybody? Like I, I don't, I don't even feel comfortable starting no. Drake, and I, I love Drake. So what are your thoughts on this on this Dolphins offense? No, you you absolutely can't start anybody. For as good as Drake and Walton looked at times, the one that gets the rushing touchdown is Kalen Balash, who only yeah. has three carries but gets seven yards and a touchdown, just ruins everything. Drake has not been incredibly impressive. Uh, Walton, you know, uh, until they commit to somebody, and they're they're not a high enough volume offense. You know, you would figure this was probably a more exciting and better. Uh, chance for them to show out and they really did nothing until the end when Fitzmatch came in and kind of uh, sparked them up a little bit I think they said this was the first game that the Dolphins actually scored a touchdown in the second half this just isn't an offense that's producing enough and they're actually in a fairly tough division all of a sudden yeah Patriots are good the Bills who they are playing next week very good and the Jets, you know, we saw them kind of take down and shut down a much better offense in Dallas than what they're going to get uh, playing Miami. So, yeah, I, Miami is not, you know, Miami is a team that you look at when you're desperate and you're in the midst of bye week and injury hell. But aside from that, just not a high enough volume and not enough consistency to feel good about anyone. 
Well, the one thing I will say is they do have some good games at the back end of the schedule if any of these guys do end up becoming the guy and they get the Eagles, who we know can be thrown all over. Probably won't be a close game, but still they might be able to put up some points. And then they get the Giants and the Bengals right there in the fantasy playoffs. So maybe Kenyon Drake, Mark Walton, or Devontae Parker, somebody comes through for you here. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't... But the the thing you would say about all those teams is they can rush the passer. I mean, we saw the Eagles play the Jets and just cave their line in. Miami doesn't have a very good line, so trying to run on even the the Bengals can can cave in an offensive line and get to the quarterback a little bit. So, you know, this would have been a good matchup. Washington hadn't appeared to do anything well on defense all season long until we got to this game and they were they were practically pitching a shutout until some garbage time at the end. Yeah, I mean well how do we know how hard they were really trying to win? I'm just kidding. I know I know the players were out there trying to win. <laughs> I can't imagine they're they're throwing anything. Next up we've got the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. Philly losing this one 22-38. Carson Wentz 26 of 40, 306 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, adds 23 yards on the ground. It's coming at QB7 with 31.04 points. Miles Sanders had a good day, mostly in the receiving game. 86 yards, three catches, and one touchdown. Just gets you six yards on three carries on the ground. RB9 with 18.2 points. Alshon Jeffrey. Wide receiver 6 on the week with 23.6 points, 76 yards, and a touchdown on 10 grabs. And then Zach Ertz comes up a little a little low in this one. Tied in 17 with 7.4 points, just 54 yards on 4 catches. Uh, I mean, Jordan Howard uh, does get the bulk of the carries here by a lot. Uh, the, the rest of the wide, uh, running backs, uh, Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, actually don't even come close to him. 49 yards on 13 carries. I mean, we saw the Vikings kind of took it to the Eagles quick, which is probably why they had to abandon the run. They were scoring on uh, the Eagles literally a couple times in one play, one play uh, throws there to Stephon Diggs, who we'll get to here in a minute. Um, I feel like really uh, we talked about this a little bit on the show Friday with uh, me and Dennis talked about how really Wentz, Ertz, and Jeffrey, and I'm not even that big on Jeffrey, although he did have a good game here, the only guys you feel comfortable starting. Uh, do you agree with that? Probably, but, you know, there's got to be some questions about Zach Ertz. He hasn't exactly had a mammoth season, and, and, you know, Dallas Goddard caught five for 48, probably, if uh, you have fractal scoring, was the better tight end uh, with 9.8 over 9.4 for Ertz. They were almost even in targets. Ertz had nine. Goddard had eight. Um, so, you know, it almost seems like they're developing a tight end time split, which is just a disaster. I don't know. Week to week, I think Jeffrey's the best receiver, and you're rolling him out there. I still like Wentz. They seem pathologically incapable of playing less than three running backs in a game. Because yeah. you see good old Boston Scott gets in there and gets four carries for 30 yards. You know, just when you thought, hey, Sanders is kind of showing something. Jordan Howard's been going good. Oh, nope, we're going to give you Boston Scott. Not a great matchup, uh, you know, for their offense, especially for the rush offense. Minnesota has been pretty decent on defense. Yeah. So um, not a lot to take away. The NFC East is just a train wreck. I mean, you're starting to think it might be first to eight wins gets uh, gets given the division crown and sent to the playoffs. Um, yep. Because, you know, Dallas started hot and has come back to earth. Philadelphia is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team, it feels like to me. They go into... 
Green Bay and hip check the Packers, who we've seen throughout the rest of the season seem like a pretty good team, and then they just come in and get waxed uh, pretty early by Minnesota. I mean, they were down 21 points at one point here. Yeah, just a, a really tough team to figure right now. Yeah, it's a it's interesting because a lot of people, especially with the way the season kind of started off, a lot of people thought that NFC East would be the best division in the NFC, and it really seems to be more toward the North and possibly even the West. Although the Rams seem to have fallen off a little bit here too, so this yeah. season not at all playing out the way I think a lot of us thought. I remember we did our prediction episode. I bet if I were to go back and look right now between what you, me, John, and Dennis picked, I don't think many of us would be looking good right now because things. It's been a weird season for sure. Uh, the yeah. one thing I'll say on the running backs, uh, I still, and, and I said it on Friday, I still somewhat trust Miles Sanders as a flex play every week just because they really seem to be going to him in the passing game. And and we've seen that uh, Doug Peterson is a protege of, of Andy Reid, uh, and I do think that they like to use running backs in the passing game a lot. And if they're going to continue to give him that workload, I, I would continue to play him in the flex. Obviously, a lot of that this week came from the 35-yard touchdown play, I think is what it was, uh, which was mm-hmm. very – he was wide open on a wheel route. That's not going to happen every single week. But still, if you go back and look at his past couple uh, – Box scores here the past couple weeks. He's getting a lot of work in the receiving game. PPR leagues, that that's good for a wide receiver. Again, all you need is that touchdown, and he makes your day. Uh, so I'm still big on Miles Sanders, uh, I think, but not anything other than a flex play. I don't think you can trust putting him in as an RB2. He has to be clearly just a flex uh, flex for, for, at least in my opinion. On the, on the Vikings side here, Kirk Cousins does it again through the air. 333 yards, 22 of 29, four touchdowns and one interception to come in at QB3 on the week with 40.82 points. Dalvin Cook, RB20 on the week with 13.4 points, 41 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown. Uh, does add in 13 yards on two catches, which is actually still fairly good. Uh, I, I Dennis kind of misspoke on Friday and said bad defense. Uh, the Eagles have a very good rush defense. Their pass defense is horrible. Uh, and, and Diggs showed that. Wide receiver one on the week with 45 points, 167 yards, three touchdowns on seven catches. And then Adam Thielen comes through as well, 57 yards, six catches for one touchdown. We also saw Kyle Rudolph siding for a little bit, 36 yards on uh, three catches. Uh, Thielen coming in at wide receiver 13 with 17.7 points. Uh, I do like that the Vikings seem to be moving back to a little bit more of a pass off. I should say more balance in the fact that they're not running the ball 50 times and passing it 18. Uh, they are, they seem to be more balanced. Again, I don't take anything away. Uh, from what happened with Cook this week, the Philadelphia Eagles defense, if I remember correctly, at least coming into this week, was either second yeah. or third against the run. Like their their front line is ridiculously good. It's their back end that suffers, and we saw that. Um, what I want to talk about uh, is really about that whole passing offense. For me, and I'd like to get your opinion, see if you agree with me, I think from what we've seen out of Thielen so far this season, he has to be in your lineup every week. I think he's still proven he is that top at worst, probably 14 option at wide receiver, but he's still a guy who's going to get you points every single week. He's had one bad game in the game where he got two catches. Diggs, however, there was a lot of talks coming in this season that both of those could finish up in the top 12 again. They did it last year. I think he is going to be the one that is a lot more fluky. We both have him on teams. Uh, I know we were both talking off air. You were mentioning how he ended up staying on your bench because you weren't sure you could trust him. Uh, and, and he goes off in this one. Uh, is it one of those? Is he that guy that you just kind of have to throw in your your wide receiver to or flex and just hope that he comes through with the big game? But you know it's going to be a lot of you're going to get 
it's going to be that on and off again thing with with Diggs every single week. I think so. I, you know, flex is where I would be putting him in uh, for the time being. You know, just about the time you're ready to write him off. I know a lot of people. Well, this was a good matchup because the Eagles don't have a great secondary. You could have said the same thing last week when they played the Giants, which also has you know, had a pretty terrible secondary for most of the season. Yeah. And we didn't see much of Diggs in that game. Uh, I had actually played him the week before thinking, you know, it's got to be a get right game with, uh, you know, Cousins talking about throwing more. In terms of Minnesota, I don't know if this is a commitment back to the passing game. Uh, last week, I think, you know, they tried to make a concerted effort to make a few more throws to get their playmakers involved. This week, the way you beat Philadelphia is throwing the ball. I think we've really seen that. Uh, you know, all the teams they play, they're actually really pretty stout against the run. The way you beat them is to get behind them and, and yeah. throw against them. So I thought Cook was going to have a tougher road to hoe, and they were going to have to throw. It's just whether you feel like he he's going to look at Diggs and whether Diggs is going to be able to convert. I mean, we've had other games, too, this season where they've tried to get the ball to Diggs, and he's made a big play that's been called back. Yeah, or has been a miss. You know, I maybe he's a guy we just need to have a little more patience on. That they're going to kind of put it together and and come together. But Minnesota is going to play a tough schedule, and they have a very tough defense. Green Bay got better in pass defense. We've already seen that matchup. Chicago still a very tough defense. The Lions look like they've improved. You know, there may not be kind of the wide open places for them to dump the ball like like we've seen yeah you know even the afc teams they're gonna play uh they're playing you know the west it looks i think like. they're playing the afc west yeah. so actually that might benefit them a little bit but uh you know and they're playing the, they appear to be playing the nfc east <coughs> so that might benefit them a yeah. little bit too so maybe outside of their division they'll do better but i guess it's going to be kind of a matchup by matchup basis, I have one league where I have to start digs no matter what, and I was thrilled yesterday. But there have been plenty of weeks where I've been like, "Oh my god, I just oh, yeah. want to cry." Yeah, I right have one sixteen-team league that I built around him and Juju Smith-Schuster, oh, and to me, they're they're both. I guess I trust Diggs more than Juju at this point, which makes me want to cry inside and out. But it, yeah. it's just I don't know if it's going to be the season we hoped it was going to be. I mean, I think it's fair to say it probably won't be the season we hoped it would be. I'm pretty sure all of us were all in. I mean, I'll just go. I know me and Den- me and Dennis thought Diggs was going to be better than Thielen this year. So, I mean, that already alone is not going to happen, it looks like. Um, the one thing I'll say for Diggs moving forward, we were talking just about, about the games that he, they have coming up. He actually, in my opinion, has a somewhat favorable schedule moving forward. The Lions, as you mentioned, good defense. They can stop the run and stop the pass. The one thing I'll say on that is Darius Slay is likely going to be on Thielen, which means Stephon Diggs will get the better coverage, so he might be the one that they go to there. The Redskins, as we know, I mean, they're, that's probably going to be a Dalvin Cook day. Uh, but either way, they, they can get beat in the secondary as well. Same thing, I would say Landon Collins is probably going to be on Thielen, so that might free up Diggs. Chiefs, we can beat them through, you can beat them through the air. We saw that. Cowboys, I think, would be a tough game. And then the Broncos, while it's still a good defense, they've showed that they can really stop the run here lately compared to what we saw earlier in the season, and likely means Chris Harris is going to be on Thielen. So I would think the person you're going to go to is Diggs. So 
while the Broncos one for me is the most scare, the scariest out of all of those, because then they have the Seahawks on Monday night, and we just saw what the Browns did to them. And I mean, I, I, again, the Browns have been. I would take the Vikings right now over the Browns any day of the week and twice on Sunday. I think Diggs, if you've got him, and I know we both do. As, we, as I said, we were talking about. I think he's got to be at least in your flex spot every week because he does have some good matchups coming up now. Likely. He's not going to come through in all those. He's going to give you that five- or six-point game. You're just going to have to deal with it because while he's likely not going to give you another 45-point game, he's going to give us some games that make it worth him being there. So I'm trusting Diggs moving forward and just hoping for the best. Before we move off this game, my last question, because I loved him coming into this year, and I dropped him. Kirk Cousins, are we trusting that he's back? Is, is he will is? Are you picking him up and hoping he's a top 12 quarterback again? Or do you just think these two weeks have just been odd in the way they've been passing the ball and you're still steering clear from them? I wouldn't put him up in the top 12, but I okay. think he'll be up and down depending on the matchup. Um, like you said, they have some, some ones that will be favorable to throwing. Um, you know, he's probably a more interesting fantasy player than a real-life player because it seems like a lot of his struggles are when the real-life pressure is on. Uh, but even in some of those games where he wasn't great for football, he wasn't terrible for fantasy. And given where the quarterback position is right now, there are worse options. All right, two games left on the schedule. The Saints win against the Jaguars 13-2-6. Teddy Two Gloves has a uh, uh, just continues to win for the for the Saints, almost like a, the Kyle Allen and uh, Cam Newton thing. They may just keep telling Breeze, you know what, make sure you're fully healthy before you come back. 24-36, 240 yards, and a touchdown to come in his QB 16 with 21.6 points. We got a Latavius Murray siding in here, eight carries for 44 yards to come in at RB27 with 10.9 points did at 35 yards on three catches. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of us thought Alvin Kamara would not play. There was a lot of talk Friday and Saturday that he was not going to play. He was going to be out. They announced Sunday that he's going to play, and he had a great game. So if you threw uh, Murray in like I did in a couple leagues, hoping he was going to get the ball, that didn't happen. Uh, Kamara, 31 yards on 11 carries, added 35 yards on seven catches to come in at RB18 with 13 points. Michael Thomas just continues to be a baller in this one. 89 yards on eight catches. Uh, wide receiver 15 with 16 points. Ted Ginn uh, shows up as well in this one. 36 yards on two catches to come in at wide receiver 49 with 6.8 points. And then Jared Cook for two weeks in a row now has made big plays. 37 yards and a touchdown on three catches coming at tight end nine with 12 points. They continue to win with Teddy. Uh, that's good news. We talked about it. The only two guys we trusted moving forward in this offense was Kamara and Thomas. They have yet really to disappoint. I know this was kind of a slow game for Kamara, but he is still injured. I would take 13 points out of an injured running back any day of the week. My big question for you is Jared Cook. We've seen it now two weeks in a row. Is it time to trust him again and start throwing him back in our tight end position? I think it is while well, Bridgewater's there. Um, he, we never saw him really develop any rapport with Drew Brees, so that's still an open question. But, you know, I think Bridgewater, if I recall, used to use the tight end uh, quite a bit when he was in Minnesota as well. Um, so he seems to have a, a comfort level there. With Jared Cook, and I really think Cook and Latavius Murray have been listening to the podcast and realized that we wrote them <laughs> off and just wanted to make us, to shame us a little bit, you know, because both of them were double-digit points this week. Um, I still think, you know, 
Bridgewater has been great, probably better in real life uh, than for fantasy. This offense doesn't feel like it's quite as dynamic as it is when when Breeze is in there. And, also, and I think that limits a little bit of the top end for both Thomas and Kamara. And Kamara's still banged up a little bit, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see where they're at. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if I had to pick, I would definitely want Breeze back out there, but. Uh... I mean, for fantasy-wise, if you own Thomas or Kamara, you've got to be happy because there was a lot of people who were worried he was going to affect their value, and he really hasn't, especially Thomas. Thomas has still been uh, a legit wide receiver every single week. Again, wide receiver 15 this week, but there was a lot of good – I mean, Stephon Diggs went off for 45 points this week. Michael Thomas is not going to beat that most weeks, even with Drew Brees there. That was a, a lucky week. We had a lot of wide receivers that went off for big weeks this week. On the Jag side, uh, Minshew Mania comes a little bit to a halt here against a, a fairly good Saints defense, despite what all the, the stats and fantasy points tell you. They're actually giving up a lot of fantasy points, but NFL-wise, they've been very good. Uh, Minshew in this one, QB 24 with 8.12 points uh, in this one. Oh my, let's see here. He got you 14-29, 163 yards, and one interception. Leonard Fournette, though, continues to be probably the best player on the Jags offense and, and doing a lot in the receiving game as well. 72 yards on 20 carries and 46 yards on six catches to come in RB10 with 17.8 points. Good for him continuing uh, to really kind of move up the the uh, the running back fantasy chart here is possibly going to jump into a uh, running back one by the end of the season. Uh, D.D. Westbrook ends up uh, being the number one wide receiver on the day with 53 yards on three catches. Wide receiver 39 with 8.3 points. D.J. Chark three catches and 43 yards up. Oh, I did that backwards. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. He comes in at wide receiver 39 with 8.3 points. Uh, uh, Westbrook gets 8.8. Jags, as I said, struggle a little bit with Minshew here. Fournette just continues to be legit. I think Chark is going to be fine moving forward. Uh, we talked about a little bit on Friday's podcast. I felt like you had to start him in your flex spot because he had the touchdown upside. But going up against Marshawn Lattimore, I was worried he was going to get shut down a little bit. Um, uh, w- is there anyone else out of those two you feel comfortable starting every week? And do you feel comfortable even starting Chark every week? Um, I think Chark is a guy that you're putting in into the flex for net. Uh, is doing pretty well. The pass catching, I think, really ups his value. We've talked a little bit about uh, it. You know, if you can be that all phases running back, that's going to make you more valuable. Um, so I think he's he's developing into a solid RB two with some upside. I still uh, Westbrook still getting a lot of targets. Seem like Westbrook and Shark have separated themselves from the pack, especially with all the tight end injuries. Westbrook actually had the most targets this week, eight. Um, getting three for 53, so I think he's a deep league flex option as well. All right, the last game of the day, and then I want to go back to that Chris Godwin-Mike Evans stat because I finally found it. Uh, the last uh, game of the day was was surprisingly more of a game than I thought it was going to be. The Bengals and the Ravens. Bengals losing this one 17-23. Andy Dalton in this one, 21 of 39, 235 yards and a touchdown touchdown. 
comes in at QB 18 with 18.8 points. Joe Mixon continues to struggle behind this beat-up offensive line. 10 yards on 8 carries. Adds 29 yards on two catches to come in RB37 with 5.9 points. Auden Tate, though, continues to look really good. 91 yards on five catches. Had a great catch with great body control toward the sideline, jumping in the air in this one. Wide receiver 20, 14.10 points. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver 67 with four points in this one. Just 10, 10 yards on three catches. And then Alex Erickson, although I don't think he's going to be fantasy viable, uh, shows up in this one. 47 yards on four catches to come in at wide receiver 29 with 10 points. I feel like, in all honesty, the the, the Bengals are moving toward the, toward the Dolphins territory with me. I would not feel comfortable yep. starting any of these. And I think that raises no. a bigger concern for a guy like Joe Mixon, who is someone that a lot of people were drafting toward the end or high end of the first round, high in the second round. Has it gotten to the point where you're even concerned about putting him in your flex spot? Like, I don't even think you can start him as an RB1 or 2. I think he's moved down into flex territory for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, he had less than six points in this game, even with catching a couple of passes. And you would have thought this might have been a better, uh, you know, a better matchup because the Ravens, we've discussed this a few times, have really uh, struggled defensively. Uh, as we've gone deeper in the season, particularly on the ground. I mean, this is a team that your your Browns were able to exploit for mm-hmm. some big yardage in Baltimore. Um, Kyler Murray was able to run around. So was David Johnson when Arizona played, another kind of middling team. So to only get 10 yards on eight carries, I know their line is bad, but scheme, you know, you got to think scheme is not doing them any favors either. Uh, and, you know, maybe at least earlier in the season, it seemed like they were they were doing some things on offense even when games weren't going their way. But this just kind of an ugly performance altogether, especially for a game where they weren't that far away. Uh, you know, they let yeah. the Ravens score 14 points in the first quarter, but then it was nothing but field goals the rest of the way down. Their defense actually was able to keep, uh, keep them in it. Um, just... You know, it has not been a good season for Cincinnati. You don't see a lot of bright spots on their schedule. And if, you know, if they can't even have success where we've seen other teams have success, and and not even, they didn't have huge success. They didn't have any success. You know, 1.3 yards per carry is bad, especially for a guy, uh, you know, a lot of people took Mixon, you know, tail end of the first round high in the second round thinking he was going to be an RB1 that he was due for an explosion and you know we aren't seeing it maybe when they get AJ Green back uh, they'll they'll have a little bit more of a dynamic going on but it's it's definitely it's tough if you're thinking about starting a bangle yeah, and there are talks that AJ Green might be back this week, so that could possibly open up some running games for Joe Mi- or running lanes for Joe Mixon, uh, because obviously they can't just uh, you know cue in on him. But but it's it's not good. Uh, the one thing I'll say is same thing with the Dolphins. They play each other in Week 15, so maybe that's the week you fire up all your Dolphins and Bengals and win yourself a playoff matchup because both defenses are just so bad. <laughs> Outside of that, and now I would if you be, made the playoffs. That's true. You will have to make the playoffs with those players. As as well, which is, is going to be very concerning. If you do, I hope you screenshot your lineup to me because I would love to see that happen. Although, 
watch you do that, and then it's going to be a three nothing game to the to the Cincinnati Bengals, and you're going to get boned by them. So that that is definitely not good. Uh, on the on the Baltimore Ravens side here, Lamar Jackson, twenty one of thirty three, two hundred and thirty six yards, uh, does get a touchdown on hundred and fifty two yards rushing, which is just ridiculous. QB six on the week with thirty five point eight nine points. Mark Ingram, fifty two yards on thirteen carries and a touchdown as well to come in at RB thirteen with fifteen point four points. And then Mark Andrews continues to be a top five tight end, tight end four on the week with thirteen point nine points, ninety nine yards on six catches. Nobody else really does anything here. Uh, nothing over 30 yards receiving. Uh, though Marquise Hollywood-Brown was out, I do think he probably would have had a good game here against this Bengals secondary. With that being said, uh, it looks like he might be back. They're saying he's still day-to-day. Um, do you trust anyone outside of Ingram and Andrews? I- I'm not even sure I really trust Ingram, but he still continues to get up, put up the numbers. Uh, they do have the Seahawks-Patriots the next two weeks, and then the Bengals again. So, uh, and, and really, on all honesty, a lot of really tough matchups moving forward. I, I, th- I think we've talked about this many a times. Outside of Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, who's all I really trust, do you trust Ingram or are you trying to sell high on him now? I'll just I want to give you the teams that they're going to play here in the next couple weeks. Seahawks, Patriots, Bengals, Texans, Rams, 49ers, Bills, Jets, Browns, Steelers. That's a lot of matchups in my opinion that it could not that could really kind of end up hurting Mark Ingram. So what are your thoughts on those 3? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a flex play at this point, but he does seem to be getting uh work and uh, they seem to be kind of a focused running team. I just don't know that you could get enough back for him that it would be worth shipping him off. Um, I just think, you know, I don't, he, if you drafted him really high thinking you're going to get a high in RB2, this is probably not good for you. But I think a lot of people had more reasonable expectations because we've seen Mark Ingram play for long enough. And I think, you know, this, his role in the offense is more secure. I'd feel a lot better about him than I would about any wide receiver at this point. So um, I think I, I'd still use him and uh, I'd look at matchups. If it looked like it was just absolutely horrific against the run, maybe not, but a lot of those defenses you're naming are probably better against the pass than they are against the run. Um, So, you know, you just have to hope he gets a touchdown and, I think he has a fairly steady floor. He's always going to get yeah, you some sure. some points. I just don't think he has the ceiling of some of those other guys. Yeah, for sure. All right, before we get out of here, I want to read you this uh, this stat really quick. I was able to find it. So Jameis Winston, when targeting Chris Godwin so far this year, has a perfect passer rating or near-perfect passer rating, 148.6. The past five years when targeting Mike Evans in 2015, 71.5, in 2016, 86.4, in 2017, 77.0, in 2018, 94.2, and 2019, 74.7. So again, I don't know if that's Evans, Winston, or what, but for whatever reason, whenever he's targeting Chris Godwin, it's almost always a complete pass, and when it's to Mike Evans, it's not. Uh, so I think that yeah. just continues to speak volumes on what we've been saying, that Chris Godwin is the guy there in Tampa Bay. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today and, and discussing these games. Uh, hope you enjoy the Monday night game. Tonight should be a good one between the Packers and the Lions, and I look forward to breaking down the rest of these games with you tomorrow. Sounds good. Have a great night. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already.